0: It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies, brought to you by realbluespruce.com.
1: Welcome to the Creative Real Estate Podcast from realbluespruce.com. I'm your host, DJ Scruggs, along with uh, my partner, Adam. Hey, Adam. Hey, how's it going? And we are very lucky today. We have uh, a guest who knows a lot about both creative real estate and the funding of real estate, uh, Al Robertson.
2: Hi, Al. Good morning.
1: So um, we're excited to have Al on because he is one of the, um, he does, a, as he'll explain in a minute, he's with Lead Funding, which is a, a very active uh, lender in, in the fix and flip space. And uh, But Al is also
2: an investor, is that right? That's correct. Been uh, doing investing for about 10 years myself.
1: And mostly fix and flips or other types of stuff too?
2: Um, I've done uh, primarily fix and flips and that's what I focus on now, but I've done pop tops, scrape new builds, uh, multi-unit. Uh, In several states, but uh, I focus primarily in Colorado currently, and uh, I prefer the fix and flips. Me too. Sometimes (laughs) I'm in the middle of one right
1: now that's testing my patience. (laughs) They all do that. (laughs) But um, so, Al is actually, or Lead Funding, I should say, is actually a sponsor of this podcast. Um, So, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what Lead Funding is, and just a little bit of background and what you do with them? And
2: well, Lead Funding is a local private lender based here in Denver and we service multiple states uh, Colorado Arizona Nevada Washington Texas um, and we we are here to support local investors uh, trying to do development uh, whether it's your average fix and flip your, uh, a new build or multi unit we've got uh, loans of all different types and size uh, our our loan package is um, Customizable to a certain extent, we have uh, flash cash loans that are or uh, more commonly referred to as transactional funding, mm-hmm. which are good for up to thirty days. Those are only one and a half percent and a fifteen hundred dollar loan fee about the cheapest money you can get wow. out there and so that's
1: if you're like if you're just going to very quickly flip like as a wholesaler
2: kind yeah of uh, what we refer to that as a wholesale deal or maybe a uh, a uh, hotel deal, where you're essentially right, going right. to sell it to a retail client, but you're going to do so little work to it that you can literally put it on the market in a matter of days. Um, we get a lot of wholesalers that use that program just to buy themselves more time to be able to get a deeper cut, to get to the right type of client for that buy. Right, right. And then our traditional loan package is a 2 and 12 package, 2.12%. Loan's good for up to 12 months, and we can move very quickly. We can close a deal in as quickly as two or three business days, and we... Have uh, right now somewhere in the range of fifty to sixty million dollars on the street we 're constantly growing. We never have to ask a third party for the funds. We have the funds in house mm-hmm. I think that 's an important thing is is knowing that your lender can actually close when they say they can close, not only from being able to get things done but having the funds. Um, ask a lot of wholesalers out there they 'll tell you there 's many times when they had a deal done with a buyer. And, and the lender said, I can close. They got to the closing table, and the lender was like, well, I, I could have closed if only that deal had closed yesterday that I needed oh, the funds yeah. for this deal. <laughs> yeah. And you know that's just, that just means that's a smaller you know, lender that just doesn't have the same resources. We don't have to say no to a deal. We have the funds, and we can move. And if the deal makes sense, we're going to make it happen. So. Cool. so I've never actually
1: done a deal with you guys. I am pre-qualified if I find a deal. And I, I've actually used, I have a, a proof of funds letter from you guys that is very useful. <laughs> but Adam, you actually have worked with lead funding, right?
0: Yeah, we've, we've used lead funding on two of our deals that closed. And I can't, I can't name the amount of uh, deals that these guys have looked into um, and let us know, you know the problems and how much the funding was actually going to take. And me personally, I've had a lot of experience with construction, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm pretty good. Uh, however, at the same time, there's been at least two deals that I can think of right now off the top of my head that Al has come out uh, before they funded and let me know of some of the issues and both times I, I'm pretty sure we saved tens of thousands of dollars, multiple tens of thousands of dollars uh, because of their um, their help, which is actually the best the reason the main reason why I wanted you to be here and uh, discuss everything that you guys do. Is because I think it extremely
2: benefits the newer investor. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Sure. Um, it, it is a tough business, and no matter how long you've been in the business, every deal is a new template, uh, you know, that you're learning from. And you know, there's there's just because we want a deal doesn't mean the deal works. And sometimes we we start looking at a deal and we want to make that deal work, and we overlook things or we just don't see things. And sometimes it's great to have another set of eyes that has a vested interest in your success kind of watching your back. Um, and and that's what we can do for investors is uh, many times, uh, kind of as you indicated, is sometimes the best advice we can give to an, uh, an investor is, listen, this deal doesn't make sense. Let me let me tell you why we think that. Um, and Or sometimes it's just a matter of giving them enough information to where they can make that decision on their own. Um, but sometimes there 's absolute you know deal breakers that we discover, and uh, you know we don 't want to help somebody get into a deal that 's going to go bad for them um, and we feel like you know if we provide that service and we help somebody avoid a mistake boy that 's going to go a long ways the next time they 're doing a deal because they 're going to remember that we helped them out um, so that 's part of the service that we try to offer we 're not just a lender, uh, everybody in our business comes from the investor world that 's one of the reasons i 'm involved in the company is because they want that. That knowledge and experience uh, from an investor side, looking at each deal as if it was going to be their own deal, and how to, how they're going to look at that, how they're going to you know, how they're looking at the numbers, the the exit, et cetera.
0: That kind of brings us. Sorry to. Uh, that ahead. kind of brings us to what we were discussing just before we started to record. Is there's so many lenders out there. There really are, and you were mentioning yourself. It's easy to find a lender, but the lenders are so different, and I don't think you really get that hand-holding with, with any company that I can think of that actually looks at the ARV, the after repair value, that actually looks at all the comparables to say what you can sell it for. And walks Some, the property, too. And, and the other thing is that they have somebody that walks the property. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't think I've, could get that with any other lender around
2: here at least. And i and I know a lot of lenders. Well and, and there are there are there's plenty of resources and many of them do a fine job in providing funds for closing. I mean there are some out there that just don't have enough resources and they they maybe can't get to the closing table. But generally speaking there's plenty of resources that can. Uh, the way we differentiate ourselves is is exactly that. We we try to make sure that not only do we have the funds and we can get you to the table quickly and, and close that deal, but more importantly can we provide you the data that one helps you make a better Choice right out of the gate. And two, once you get into the deal, can we help you make better decisions throughout the transaction? Maybe it's a phone call and you say, Hey Al, I, I'm having problems. Do you have a good licensed electrician that I can use for this project? Sure, I've got three guys that I've used myself. Here's their information. If I don't have somebody in the category you're asking for, I'm not going to just pull out a name and a number and say, here, try this. Hopefully it works. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you either a proven resource or I'm going to tell you I don't have it. But the bottom line is, isn't it great when you can call somebody and get a proven resource for a solution on your on your budget and your, and your project um, that somebody else has already vetted? Um, or sometimes it's just a matter of, hey, I'm struggling with the floor plan on this thing. Can we walk it and talk a little bit more about you know, some of the ideas I have. Can you give me some of the insight if you were doing the project? And sometimes we do that walk and we collaborate and all of a sudden we come up with a better idea because we got everybody's ideas coming together. Again, you've got a partner that has a vested interest in your success that you don't have to pay other than your normal cost of lending. that's a great resource. You know, um, some people pay a lot of money to either go through a course or to pay to have somebody consult for them throughout a project when we do that as part of our package.
0: I like that uh, you you mentioned the speed of funds because I think a lot of lenders do think or say that they can close quickly, Uh, but there's been a couple of times where I've been in a bind and I've called you and Jason and I've said, I've got this deal and it's Friday (laughs) and I need to close Monday. Is there any way possible that we can do this? And I'm not trying to say that you'll always be able to do this, however, in our case, you were able to close Monday, funds in the bank ready to go
2: one business day later. And, and we pride ourselves on that. I mean, uh, listen, in this business, it's tough enough to find deals, right? We, especially nowadays, we're all struggling to find deals that make sense. Um, therefore, you need to be able to move quickly when you get that deal because sometimes that's uh, the entire reason you got the deal. For example, I'm under contract right now as an investor myself on a property. We're supposed to close it today. And There was multiple offers on the property. All but one of them were in excess of our offer. And we got the deal because we told them, listen, we'll close as fast or as slow as you need us to. But it sounds like speed is of the essence for you as a seller. We'll close as fast as you need us to, and we'll triple the earnest money and make it hard immediately upon execution of the contract just to make you feel comfortable with that statement. And that's why we got the deal, even though somebody else was willing to pay more money. Um, So if you get a deal predicated on that, boy, you better be able to back it up. That's, that means
1: I, actu- I actually had a similar situation a while back where <clears throat> I actu- I came in lower than what someone else had asked, and I knew it was lower. I, I kind of didn't think they would do it, but it turned out because I could close quickly, uh, they did go with me. I you know I think I came in at like about six thousand dollars under what the best offer was. So definitely speed is. Um,
2: it's just I'm one like of the, the possible tools that you've got to be able to use in order to get a deal. you also got to be able to count on, no matter when the closing date is, you've got to be able to count on that lender to, to be there and have the funds. Um, ask ask guys that are in the wholesaling business. Nothing more frustrating to them in the world to when they go through all the trouble to get a deal put together, get a buyer teed up, they say they've got a lender, they've got the funds, we're going to close, and then they get to the table and that. And that uh, that wholesaler, or I mean, I'm sorry, that lender didn't have the funds because they needed them from another deal, and and that 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 devastates everybody at that table. Right. The <laughs> seller, the wholesaler, everybody. <laughs> Everyone, loses. No
1: one's happy. Yeah. yeah
2: so you, you know you, you've got to do your due diligence. You got to make sure you're dealing with somebody that can do that. And also, if there's a benefit, you need somebody that can be there for you throughout the project, not just on the lending side. And we can do that.
1: So. As, as we said at the beginning, the focus of this podcast is creative real estate, um, and we did a pre-interview with you and asked you about some creative stuff. You've done a lot of deals over the years, so we imagine you've seen the good, bad, and the ugly of uh, how things can be done that maybe aren't by the um, the textbook method, and we're just wondering if you could tell us about one or more of those.
2: Well, listen, um, you you have to... You have to always be thinking about all the different angles that's going to help you get your next deal, and adam is 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 a good example of always thinking of six different ways a deal can be done but even even at that point, but even before you get to that point, there's got to be six ways or ten ways or a hundred ways of trying to find a deal. And 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 create a deal because sometimes in our business you know you don't get a deal unless you you create the deal or you you make the deal come to life. Um, so uh, I mean, there's some simple ones. Uh, for example, I was I was working on a project in um, in Denver, and one of our normal procedures is to. I take my business card. I manage all my projects my personally, so I, I hire my guys. I manage them, pick all the designs, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm on the project two, three times a week at least, and I'm, so I'm very involved. One of the things I do as we're getting ready to start the project is I'll take my business card, and I'll walk, and I'll try to hit the neighbors all around the house, across the street and everything. One is I, I don't want them creating... Problems or challenges for us, and if you make friends with them, you give them your card, you give them your spiel. Many times they'll be a great resource for you, um, and you know they'll tell you if there's something's going wrong. I've had I've had the phone call where they said, "Hey, there's there's water coming out of the back door of the house." I'm guessing that wasn't intentional. Maybe you need to do something. That is useful. <laughs> um, <yeah, laughs> to know that I've had that happen. Um, but um, one of my deals I got last year was I I was doing my my door knocks around the property. And the the house next door was a rental. The tenants gave me the impression that they were getting out because they, they sensed some frustration with the owner, and he was tired of the rental business. And so alarm bells started going off in my head saying, hmm, maybe this guy wants to sell. So we had to do some research. It wasn't easy to find this person, and, and it was actually quite challenging. And my partner was really diligent, and he kept digging, kept digging. He finally found this guy. And he, he was able to make the connection and make contact with the guy. We got him to come out to the property and meet us in person. Um, and in-person meetings always tend to have a little bit more impact anyways. Mm-hmm. And we started feeling him out, found out he was frustrated, told him we were working on the house next door. Gosh, you know, if you want to sell the property, we'd be happy to buy it. And three days later, we were, we were closing on the transaction. And I was, I was, now I was working on the house next door. So that was, that was creative strategy. I mean, it's, it's kind of a basic one-on-one concept. You should be door knocking anyways for other reasons. Mm-hmm. But you never know when that might be your next deal. And that was, uh, that was great. So we got two properties right next door to you. And one became the comp for the other one. So that always That's helps. Awesome. That's useful. <laughs> I'm actually,
1: I'm writing this down because I, I have a, a flip in progress right now. And I was going to door knock. I did knock on one door. But no one answered, but I'm going to go back and knock on all the doors now. And yeah, make that's sure. definitely an out-of-box way of thinking about it. And,
0: de- and for the amount of time that you guys spent trying to track this person down and the fact that rather than just giving them an offer blindly, actually meeting them in person, that's
2: some out-of-box creative thinking. And, and you know what? You could do that 100 times and it might not work, but look at it. That, that, it worked that time. How much did you make on his on that that house? Uh, that was about a $45,000 margin, and the one next door was, was right around the same. Nice. So basically we turned one deal into two, and they, they were great. Um, and they were very similar houses, so it worked out great. My construction was very efficient because I was right there with mm-hmm. two houses. Another reason that you should be doing that door knocking is – uh, I've seen people's projects go way south on them because they didn't do that. Um, I missed out on a deal last year, and the guy that got it was a contractor investor. So he has his own crew. What a great scenario, right? He's got his—he's a contractor already. He's got his own crew, so therefore he can—he can do the cost factors a lot better than people like us that got to hire somebody. And but he didn't door knock. Turns out one of the neighbors was not a very comfortable not very comfortable with the whole concept of what was going on next door mm-hmm. he didn't make nice and he skipped a step which can be important is he didn't test for asbestos in that house which had popcorn ceiling that he was removing which oh. especially in that area was a notorious area for having that problem the neighbor turned him into the epa epa showed up wow shut his property down red flagged it deemed it a spill Isn't
0: that a a federal offense? It absolutely is.
2: They can't actually fine you $35,000 per day per incident. Oh, my God. Now, he was able to get away with, I think it was something like a $3,000 or $4,000 fine, which was nominal considering, and he he, he went on probation for two years. And, of course, because they deemed it a spill, now he had to, not only did he have to do mitigation, but it's a special type of mitigation because it's deemed a spill site, and it ended up costing, that whole scenario cost him somewhere in the range of $22,000. Plus, it took him four months to get through that whole cycle before he could really even get back to doing the project normally. He didn't make any money on the project. In fact, I think he lost a little bit of money on the project. So he ate up all of his margin and then some just because he didn't do something that you know we've been taught in the business is a, is a, is a no-brainer. You got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, maybe. And he's a contractor too. That's it's right. not
1: like he's just some newbie, right? <laughs>
2: that's right. So he probably shouldn't have known better, but listen, we've all made mistakes. Mm-hmm. I, I look back at some of the dumb things I did and I say, wow, how did I, how, why did I do that? How did I not see that coming? But, you know, that's how we learn, I guess. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that's part of why I like what I do is, is I get to help people avoid some of the mistakes that I made mm-hmm. when nobody was there to help me um and that's kind of cool if you can help the next guy do something and make make money because they they benefited from your knowledge that's you're, you're passing it on so
0: hey al before we let you go um would you tell us a little bit more about lead funding how it got started the owner just just a little bit about the history of the owner and uh and also i've i've heard that uh, he's running for governor of colorado um if you if you could talk a little bit about that too
2: Sure, uh, Victor Mitchell is our CEO and founder, and uh, he used to be an active investor himself. In fact, I used to manage his portfolio for him. Uh, my partner and I would facilitate his acquisitions, manage his projects, his sales, et etc. And as he was starting to wind down that business, he started getting a lot of people that he knew in the business, friends and associates that were investors that were asking, "Hey, do you, you know, do you want to?" Lend on my my deal, do you want to be an equity partner or a lender uh, relationship and At first, he was saying well no i, I don 't do that i' you know, i 'm I'm just an investor and He kept getting more and more of those types of inquiries and so he decided to experiment with it with some people that he knew and trusted and he started doing loans here and there, and you know great way to start with people that you know and trust, people that you feel like you you definitely can count on. And so they went well, and he started getting more business from them. He started getting referrals from their friends and associates, and he really felt like, you know what, this is this is a viable business. There's a, there's a there's a need, and people are clamoring for resources. So he did the research and he started figuring out all the, all the regulations and, and making sure that, you know, what it took to be compliant and how to avoid crossing over into the RESPA uh, regulated stuff for owner occupier loans and things like that, which we don't do. And he started getting really uh, serious about it and he um, divested himself of all of his investment properties and focused entirely on the lending business. And started really uh, building up his business in Colorado and Arizona, where he had a lot of resources locally that he knew in the investor world. And those people became clients as well as their referrals. And our, our business thrives on referrals. That's where we, we don't do any um, advertising or marketing of any sort. Except our podcast. There we go. <laughs> and, and, and we see that as, a, as really a type of referral, because it's people that we're, we know in the business, people that we work with and therefore we can help each other. Um, And that's what we like to do. Victor has been a lifelong, successful entrepreneur. And um, yes, he he is uh, running for governor. Um, In fact, right now that's becoming about 90% of his time. So myself and Jason are taking over the day-to-day operations to help fill in while he uh, pursues this dream of his. He's he um, he's attacking it from the mentality of a of a businessman and a concerned citizen. He he comes from the conservative side, and he he really wants to. He's done well for himself. He feels like, hey, listen, I I've been successful. I'd love to take the things that I've done and I've learned, and I'd love to apply those to some of the challenges that he sees in the political world, and do it from a mindset that's not from the the political camp. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think uh, I, I, I like that. I, I like the idea of somebody coming at it that is that is not doing it, one, because they, they need the money, they need that lifelong political paycheck and all the favors that come along with that and all the things that you got to do to pay back for those favors. It's nice to have somebody that doesn't need all that and therefore can do it just based on what they believe and what they feel they can bring to the table. Um, and I think that's one of his uh, concepts is that he wants to bring a team of experts in that are independent not political and not paid to help come up with solutions and plans and ideas to attack the problems that we all know exist out there for the state of Colorado and try to uh to to make a difference and 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 do it without depending on the political machine entirely right i mean I, this
1: obviously is not a political podcast we just thought it was an interesting side side story here and it, I think it doesn't really matter if you're political, uh, if you're conservative or liberal. If you're willing to get in the ring, I admire you because <laughs> it's hard. Absolutely. Running for office is hard. Yeah, I couldn't do it. And you know, so I admire anyone who's you know serious about it, and you know, especially coming at it late in life. You know, he's not some thirty-year-old uh, who started out with city council and then is just right. kind of stepping through, but sort of jumping right to the governorship. That's that's got to be a real challenge. Well, and I'd love to see
2: him change some things that could affect our lives as investors, too. One of the things he'd love to do is repeal or reform the construction defects law, which is Mm -hmm. really stifled uh, construction in Colorado. That's
0: huge in Colorado right now. That's Mm
2: -hmm. absolutely a big deal, and it's just an example of... Somebody's really novel idea that sounded really nice, but in, 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 they didn't really think it through, right. and they didn't understand what was going how the impact of it, and now they don't know how to, how to deal with it now that they've done it, and we need people to come in and, and, and attack things like that from a different point of view.
0: So uh, just real quick, this election is for October of 18. Is that right?
2: That's correct, and the primary will be uh, in June of 2018. So So he's got quite a battle in front of him.
0: (laughs) If there's any investors from Colorado that are listening to the podcast and they're just interested in maybe um, voting for or against one of their own and another investor,
2: how would they learn a little bit more about that? Oh, they could check out his uh, campaign website. It's vic4gov.com. So V-I-C, the number four, G-O-V, dot com. And uh, it'll tell you a little bit about him and some of the things that he believes in and, and what his mindset is, and you know if you feel motivated to pursue it, great, but uh, it 's passion that's something he 's doing and uh, lead funding's not going anywhere um, you know win or lose on the campaign situation um, lead funding's going to be here to provide support for the local investors we 've got a lot of clients that count on us i 'm a lead funding client myself. I do my deals through lead funding so we want to We want to have the the resources that it provides, and so we 'll keep doing that as well.
0: Sure. I just want to say that Al uh, I do believe in what you and lead funding do for the community. I do honestly uh, think that you 're providing a service uh, lending money that i can 't find in other places, and i 've appreciated everything that you guys have done for us, and we're really excited that you 're one of our sponsors because we we do want uh, we do want other people to be able to use you guys. Um, especially if they're, especially if they're new at this. I know you can fund anybody, but those those people who are getting into their first flip, um, I think that it, lead funding is exactly who they need to be calling. So, um, thanks for Perfect. being on the podcast. Thanks for talking to us about all this, and and uh, really appreciate you being here. Well, yes. Thank you.
1: Thanks very much, Al. And that's going to wrap up the Creative Real Estate podcast from RealBluespruce.com. I have to practice saying that. <laughs> thanks again. We'll see you next week.